You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. everybody how you guys doing so good to see each and every one of you so good to see you connecting with one another uh, honestly it is so great to be here with you on a Sunday morning anyone else just I, I woke up this morning I just felt like a little extra refreshed you know it was like it was like I got an extra hour of sleep I don't know it's it's good <laughs> yeah I was trying to think I was like should we notify the people on social media that like the clocks go back, but now our phones just do it automatically. Unless you're like one of those people who use an alarm clock. And uh, sorry if you showed up here early. So, so good to have you. Uh, really excited, as Candace noted earlier. And by the way, uh, thank you so much, Candace, doing announcements. Can we give it up for her? Yeah, so good. For the band who is leading us this morning, there's so many amazing volunteers uh, and just uh, lay leaders who are helping to serve and make this thing what it is. Uh, and so I do want to encourage you, if you are someone who's been coming for a while and you want to get connected, honestly, one of the best ways to get connected with the life of a church, really, uh, is to serve. You get to rub shoulders with other people. You get to get to know the team. You feel like you're part of what's happening here. And so if you're interested, feel free, fill out a connect card, let us know. Uh, we would love to get you on the team. Uh, really, the church is beautiful and the church is profound when we see all of the gifts that God has given us working together for a common good. Our vision here at Rail City is that we are a church that is fervently committed to bringing the gospel to this city, the gospel to this city. Uh, and, and we are quite narrow like that. Some of you might be coming from Poco or New West or other cities and you're thinking, okay, well, do I belong here? And, and the answer is absolutely yes. But when it comes to our outward focus and our vision, our hearts and our minds and our call is fixated on, on this neighborhood and this area. And so if you walked here today, and I know some of you did, this is why we're here. If you live in this city, this is why we are here. If you are considering Jesus and, and you just kind of wandered in these doors or came on the arm of a friend or got something in the mail, I'm so glad you're here. Really, really glad you're here. I remember that moment when I first walked into church, never heard about Jesus or anything. I was singing the songs and I was getting right into it, right? Uh, that's why I knew I was elect. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Theological jokes. But um, anyways, no, it's like I came in, uh, and, 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 but it, it, there, there's so much newness and weirdness to it. And so I just want to acknowledge that if you are new, uh, it's, uh, we've been there. Many of us have been there. We get it. Some of us were born in the, the nursery, uh, but there's others <laughs> who we've had that experience. What we do in this time is we open the word of God. We believe this is the most important words you're going to hear. In fact, what we're doing as a church for this season is we are walking through a book of the Bible called Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians, it's an ancient city. Uh, it's currently in the country of Turkey. Uh, it was one of the grandest and greatest cities of its day and its time. Uh, the, the capital of Rome uh, in its day in Asia Minor uh, had massive stadiums, bigger than Rogers Arena, could, could fit far more people. Uh, the, the population maybe was, was 250,000. 
But there was a movement because of this person named Jesus, which is why we're here today, that began to change that city. And a guy named Paul, who was transformed by his encounter with Jesus, writes a letter to this church to encourage them, encourage them about who they are in Jesus, to encourage them about how they are called to live out of that new identity, to talk about how Jesus changes their relationships. Uh, you know, Ephesians has, has been, it's, it's a profound book. Some have called it theological gold. Some have called it the greatest piece of writing in all of history. Uh, John Christensen, he was a, a church father, he said it, the book was sublime. But, you know, uh, another said it was like doctrine set to music, all right, set, set to music. But this w is not just a book or a letter written for kind of church types and pastors who are getting all hot and bothered about a book, right? Uh, this, this is practical for us, like I said. This is practical for our everyday life and has real life implications for us. Gail Johnson, I quoted him last week, this is the exact same quote, but I believe it is important for us, especially if you weren't here, is that in the book of Ephesians specifically, he says, if disciples of Jesus would just soak in Ephesians, working out its vision in the concrete realities of our 24-7 existence, the world would be transformed. I was listening to a message by Daryl Johnson. He was saying, if any church in any city in any time was to live out this book, it would not just change a community. It would not just change families. It would not just change a neighborhood. It could change an entire city. And it did in that day. Ephesus was absolutely changed by the person of Jesus. They were, uh, the, the specialty in Ephesus was the dark arts. I made the joke last week, they were the Hogwarts of their day, right? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> it was, and honestly, magic in the dark arts, it was like the thing. People would worship idols, little statues that they would pray to and worship and bow down before. And the impact of Jesus was so grand, was so great in that city that people started throwing out their idols and they stopped buying them. So much so there was a guy in the book of Acts, he got so upset at the believers and Christians because he, they were killing his business, right? They're killing his business. It'd be like all the crystal shops here in Port Moody just shutting down. Bohemian, you seen that? If it's a coffee shop, I would for sure go there. It's really nice. But, you know, it's like Bohemian shutting down, right? Or like It's just there's, there's all sorts of stuff shutting down in the city. And they're frustrated because this person of Jesus is actually transforming people's lives from the inside out. What Paul wants to talk to us about today through the book of Ephesians is talk to us about location, to talk to us about where we are located. He's not talking about just a physical place in history or in time or in a region or in a city, but, but that our spiritual location in Christ. Now, uh, if you're a real estate agent or you've been, you know, you know about real estate or you've ha hung out with real estate, you know, people. My mom grew up in the real estate business. My grandfather was a realtor, salesman. He was pretty good, actually. He won some awards. Uh, and, uh, but, but one thing he would always say to me, he said it was all about location, 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 right? It, it, real estate, whenever it comes to real, it's all about 
location. Location determines the value. Location determines its desirability. We live in one of the most desirable regions on planet Earth. That's why our rent and mortgages are so high, Uh, (laughs) right? But location, it, it does matter. It does. It absolutely does. And the other thing that matters is a view, is a view. You know, um, if, if a house has a view of any sort, I, I called two realtors this week just to check, okay, just to check, a view of any sort, it can raise the price of a house maybe nearly 5%, 10%. But if it has a view of water, even, even from just one window, the, even from just one window, right, it could be a sliver, all right, a sliver of water. The, the, the price of that house can go up exponentially. Our location matters and our view matters. We learned this during the pandemic, didn't we, when we were working from home and stuff? Your view and, and, and where you are situated, it, it affects your mentality. It affects uh, the way that you think. I was thinking about uh, you know, I could go into all the reasons why we call this campus Rail City. It's c- connected to history. It sounds kind of trendy. Could be a brewery. There was like a number of different reasons, right? <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I realized? Every day during the pandemic, because I'm working at my office, at my home, and I look out my window, what do I see? I see the SkyTrain. <laughs> I see CP Rail. I see the West Coast Express. And my view absolutely influenced the name of this campus, right? Our view changes everything. Our view changes everything. And so today I want to talk to us about our location. Where are we located and what is our view? Where are we located and what is our view? And, and see how that actually changes our reality. And so if you would with me, before I go too deep in it, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 1 just because it feels weird to start in verse 3. Uh, and uh, just, just verse 3 today. And if you have your books, by the way, we printed these really bougie books here with Ephesians. And you've got every week, you've got the verse on the left, a place to take notes on the right. I encourage you to use it, all right? This is a resource to you. It's something you can look back on. If you forgot it this week, just leave it in your car, okay? I, and it's like, and it, you know, it just as a way of, of connecting and influence, sorry, really uh, engaging with what it is that God wants to say to you today. And, and sometimes we got to make note because we forget. We get spiritual amnesia. And so we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. These are the words of Paul to this city called Ephesus. If you're willing and able, would you please stand uh, as we read the word of God, most important words here today. And we're going to hear about our location and we're going to hear about our view, our reality in Christ. Here's what he says. This, he says, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. God, I pray that you would speak to us today from this one verse uh, in a a longer letter uh, and that, God, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, you would connect with us, that you would point out something in us and it would actually transform us and change us, not just give us a nice thought for a Sunday, but something that would change our Monday through Friday. And, uh, and so, God, I, I, I do pray, and I say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
I said I wanted to talk about our location and our view. What was Paul's location and what was his view when he wrote this letter? Does anyone know? He's in prison, right? He was, he was in house arrest specifically in the city of Rome. We don't know what the conditions of the house were that he was in, but here's what we know about isolation because we've experienced it. It's lonely, right? It's lonely. You can go stir crazy. <laughs> uh, you, you can, he, in his case, he couldn't even get out for a walk. He's surrounded by the same four walls for many years. His heart is longing to be with the churches. We don't know whether he had a window, but even if he did, it's probably not much of a view. It's probably not much of a view. But Paul, as he's writing this letter to these people in Ephesus, although his location is not great, and although his view for sure is not fantastic, although his situation and his circumstances are bleak, he, he begins to pen the letter of Ephesians, and what happens here? He, he addresses it to them, and we saw all the richness of what he even said last week in the first two verses, and then he gets into three, and his pen just begins to explode, explode, because he realizes something that is important for us, is that although we may be in a very diverse locations and have very diverse views and we may have very different lives and his situation may be very bleak, maybe like yours. Because he is in Christ, because he is located in Christ, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. What Paul does in, in, in the following verses here, all the way to verse 14, his pen is exploding. It is a run-on sentence, all right? He uses no grammar. He's just excited. And he's writing down all of the things, that the fact that we, we're located or united with Christ and how that changes everything for him. It changes everything for him. My big idea uh, for today is this. Because we are located in Christ, we have a new identity and a new reality because we are located in Christ, we have a new identity, a new reality. I want to talk about this identity marker for those of us who believe. And if you don't believe, this can be yours uh, so simply today. It can be. But for those of us who believe, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. And Paul realizes this. In fact, Paul uses this expression a crazy amount of times in his letters. Eleven times just in chapter 1, 36 times in the book of Ephesians, 216 times throughout all of his writings, you know, all of the, the, the epistles that he wrote, Romans and Colossians and uh, Philippians and 1st, 2nd Timothy and, right, all of them. He uses this expression 216 times. In fact, one, one man, he was a Scottish man, I forget his name at this point, but he said, Paul was a man in Christ, right? He's like, that's what he said. He was, he was in Christ, right? You got to say it with a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a burr, you know, but he was a man in Christ. His life was transformed and changed because he was in Christ. And I want to tell you something. If you believe in Jesus, you are in Christ. You are in Christ. Look what it says here in this text. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united 
with Christ. And uh, that's the NLT translation. Another translation will say we are in Christ. Many translations will say we, because we are in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean? You see, that the, to be in Christ, really, it's, it's a summary. It's the essence. It's the totality of a believer's identity. Our union with Christ gives us as human beings a radically new identity. We put off the old self, the old humanity, and we, we get to put on a new humanity. That has nothing to do with the way that we've lived or acted or our resume, but has completely to do with the person of Jesus. Really, it highlights essentially all of what it means to be a Christian and who we are in Jesus. Now, I'm someone who loves, like, loves sports. Specifically, I really love hockey, and I really love the Vancouver Canucks. You know, you can pray for me. So, it's, <laughs> it's been a hard time. It's been a, I'm still, still not recovering from June 15th, 2011. But, um, you know, uh, Last week, um, Eichel was traded, right, from the Buffalo Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, he's tweeting and crying and complaining about his situation in Buffalo. It was like it was, it was, like it was bad. You know, it's, it's hard to play on Buffalo. Uh, I get it. I get it, right? But he's sending out tweets, and he's trying to motivate his GM to trade him, and he wanted a certain surgery. And It's a long story. But his situation, you know, in Buffalo, even though he's an incredible player, probably top 5, 10 in the world, because of the jersey that he has to wear, his situation just seemed difficult and hard. But the moment he was traded to, to Vegas, there was this interview. He's sitting down. He is all smiles. He is just relaxed. He's happy. I, I cannot thank the, the Vegas Golden Knights enough for giving me this opportunity. He's going off. He's so excited. There's something different when he changed that jersey. When he took off the old jersey and he put on the new, even though he as a player is the exact same guy, his reality changed. This is what it means to be in Christ. We as people, you are either in Adam, Team Adam, or you are in Christ. You're either wearing one jersey or the other. It's a league of two teams, nothing else. They play each other all year long, right? And that's it. It's kind of like the North Division last year. It kind of felt like that. But uh, hockey jokes, sorry. Uh, that's, that's just for Dan. <laughs> so no, <laughs> no, it's good. But, you know, he, he, right now, I'm going to continue with the hockey illustration. I apologize. Uh, is that right now, if you're a Carolina Hurricane, life is looking good. Even if you have an all, you're having an awful personal season, if you are on the Carolina Hurricanes and you're 10-0, and 0, it's like, this is a good time, right? This is a very good time. It doesn't matter. Things are looking good. But if you are an Arizona Coyote, right, uh, see, like, <laughs> yeah, see you later, Beagle, right? You know, <laughs> if you're Arizona Coyote, even if you're having the best personal season, things are not looking good. I wanted to let us know today, here, here's our reality. We are either in Christ, team, or sorry, in team Jesus, or we are in Adam, or we're in Adam. Let me tell you about what I mean by that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 to 22 says this, for as by a man came death, and by a man has come the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ we shall be made alive. 
See, Adam, we believe he's our great, 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 great grandfather. He's the OG. He's the original. He's, you know, he's, he's the guy from the very beginning. And because of his decision, there's a ripple effect throughout all of history that we as people, there's something not right. We, by nature and choice, we choose our own way. We turn our backs on God. We believe we can do it on our own. And we, like our grandfather, make choices that are opposed to God and who he is and what he's calling us to do and what he wants for us. And in Adam, all die. The wages of sin were death. Uh, and, and they brought into the world chaos and brokenness and darkness and hardship and suffering and all of these things through a choice by rejecting God. And it seems so simple, but it literally changed the trajectory of humanity. But in another man, this person, Jesus Christ, who I keep saying changes everything, in in Jesus, Jesus did what Adam could not do. Jesus said no to sin. Jesus honored the Father. Jesus, uh, he, he lived a life for God. Jesus represented who God was here on earth. Jesus did what we could not do. And so if you're in team Adam and Adam all die, the wages of sin or death, death will claim all of, all of us, uh, not just physically, but eternally, right? But in Jesus, in Christ, we are actually made alive. And so based on the team that you are a part of, it changes, it changes your reality. It changes your location, like very literal if you're thinking of players getting traded, and it changes your point of view, It changes your point of view. In Adam, we're sinners, we're struggling, we're toiling, we're far from God in Christ. We are everything that he is to the Father, everything. We have a new identity, absolutely new. Because we are in Christ, everything that Jesus is, we are. And so that means that we are actually people of love and light and life and forgiven. And as we learned last week, saints, as we'll learn next week, we are chosen, we are wise, we are alive, we are called, we are gifted, we, we are forgiven, we are generous. Because we are in Jesus, everything that Jesus is, when God looks at you and I, when we are in Christ, all he sees is our perfect record and not our personal season. It cha- it's, it's a mind-boggling reality. And so, for some of you here today, I I really, I have a question. Are you in Christ? Who are you in? What team are you playing for? Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? Do you put your identity, your faith, your life, your hope in him? Because if you do, it, it actually changes everything. We need to be a people who choose whether we want to have a biography or whether we want to have a testimony. I I love biographies, stories of people's lives, the great things they've done, their struggles, their toil, but ultimately you get to the end of the biography and most of the time you say, I want to be like them. They they lived an incredible life. They had a great impact. I, I read many, many biographies, but the best biographies are actually testimonies. Biographies are all really making the, the individual, most of the time, the hero of the story. Where a testimony is saying, it's, it's actually not about me, but it's about someone else. It's not about me, but it's actually about Christ in me. 
I've read some biographies such as Bonhoeffer, if you've heard about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor in Germany, in Nazi Germany in the time, and he decided to rebel against the Nazis. Uh, and uh, and he, he, he even was part of the, the attempts to, to take out Adolf Hitler. He lived a, a, just a radical life for Jesus and was ultimately, even though he himself was not a Jew, killed in a, in a camp. He was martyred because of his faith, because he was calling people to faith in Jesus and not uh, complete allegiance and trust to an individual. As I read that story, I just see this testimony of someone who lived his life for Jesus Christ. I think when it comes to us, if we decide whether we're in Adam or whether we're in Christ, it's the hard decision of whether we want to have a biography or a testimony. Do we want to have a story that is all about us, where we're the hero of our story at the end of our life, right? We're the ones lifted high. Or to be a people who say, man, I was not perfect. I didn't get it always right. But man, that person knew God. That person loved Jesus. That person was transformed by their faith. That person lived uh, in ways that were just like totally, it, it feels like it was outside of themselves. That we lived a life that pointed to someone else. So we need to decide. And Paul chooses a testimony. He chooses to have a testimony rather than a biography. He was notable. He studied under some of the greatest theologians in Israel of that day. Some of the greatest minds. He goes through his resume and talks about genuinely uh, that, that he followed the law to a T. He could have been lifted up in history as one of the greatest Jewish lead, you know, uh, religious leaders. Pharisees was the language that they used in that day. And yet he, puts, he says all of that is garbage. It is trash. It is throw it out if I'm not in Christ. He chooses to have a testimony and he realizes that although his situation in Ephesus is bleak, his location, but because he is located in Christ, it changes everything. And it, it changes his reality and changes his identity. It changes his point of view. What does it, what does it mean uh, to, to be in Christ? Part of that is the fact that you actually have a new, you have a new identity as we just spoke to the fact that everything that is accounted to Jesus now accounted to you. It's a very good deal, by the way, right? <laughs> like, okay, Lord, I trust you. I believe in you. I'll, I'll live my life for you. It's like literally as simple as that prayer, but like meaning it from your heart. You confess with, uh, you confess with your mouth that Jesus, Lord, you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. Then you'll be saved, Romans 10.10. 10. It's g genuinely that simple. And then this perfect person named Jesus Christ and his perfect account is now attributed to you. It's profound. But part of what this means is that it also changes not just our location because we're located in a person, but it also changes our reality and our point of view. There's something in this text, and to be honest, I don't fully understand it or know exactly what it means. But he talks about the fact that we have been blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places because we are in Christ. In our North American, individualistic, materialistic, and not just materialism, but also naturalistic 
point of view and worldview, we believe really in pretty much a two-dimensional world. There's our self, like our soul, who we are as a being, and then there's our, the world, our environment, where other selves live. But the Bible is multi-layered. The Bible is multi-dimensional. And what Paul is alluding to here is that there is more to life than what meets the eye. Because we are located in Christ, and Christ lived and he, he did many miracles, he died, he rose from the grave, and after he rose from the grave, Acts chapter 1, he ascended to the heavenly places. Because we are located in Christ and Christ ascended to the heavenly realms, we too, although here in Port Moody, in a cold gym, <laughs> we too are also with Christ in the heavenly places. Uh, some of you are like, okay, <laughs> what's he talking about? There's somehow because, and, and Paul realizes this, although I'm in a prison cell and although my situation is bleak, my pen is going to explode because I'm located in a person, that person is Christ, and Christ is in heaven, and that means that although I am physically here, I am also spiritually there with him. I belong currently to another realm. I belong currently to another dimension. I am in the heavenly places. This is profound and deep, and I can't fully explain what it means. But there's a, a story, actually, a story that from, from the scriptures that I believe gives us a lens. Have you ever heard there was a, a, a prophet named Elisha? Elisha, he had like honestly a direct line to God. It was like as simple as picking up his phone and answering and having a back and forth conversation. God would tell him things. And Israel was at war with many other nations. And God would tell Elijah exactly what the other nations were going to do and where they were going to be and what their plan was. And he would go to the king and he would tell the king and say, hey, by the way, okay, so this is what they're going to do. They're going to be here in this location. This is the way they're going to attack you, the whole thing. And the armies that would go up against Israel were just continually frustrated. How do these guys always anticipate what we're going to do? And, and some of, you know, the guys said, well, there's this guy named Elijah, and he's got a, like a direct line to God. He hears everything from him, and he tells the king. He said, we got to take that guy out, all right? So they send armies to go and, and surround the city where Elisha is. They want to capture him and probably kill him. Elijah wakes up one morning, the people who worked for him woke up and they realized that these armies, chariots, horses, and people had surrounded the city and they said, Elijah, we're surrounded, what are we going to do? Elijah says to them, those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And then he prays a prayer and it's a profound prayer. He says, God, open my eyes so I can see. And suddenly, with his very eyes, he sees into a dimension, another world, an unseen place. Angels and armies and chariots are surrounding him. And they're with him. And he's not afraid. For a moment, his eyes are open to the spiritual realities, the unseen places. And he sees that God is with them. And he doesn't fear, and the story unfolds, and it's actually, it's a wild story. I can't even go into all of it. But it's this profound reality where he says, God, open my eyes so I can see. 
That is my prayer for us today. God, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we could see that there is more to life than what meets the eye. There is more to life than our circumstances. Some of you are in great homes, some of you in crummy homes, some of you in great jobs, some of you in awful jobs, some of you in great head spaces, others in awful spaces. But like Paul, regardless of where you are located and what your circumstances, circumstances look like in this time, Paul is letting us know Because we are located in Christ and because Christ is in the heavenly places, we too belong to another realm that is otherworldly, that is better than this place. And those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because we are united, we are in Christ. This is a profound, profound reality, friends. Profound. C.S. Lewis, you know, sometimes people criticize those who are too heavenly minded, who are thinking about heaven or the afterlife too much. But I think of C.S. Lewis when he said that those who have their minds, uh, those, those who have their minds on heaven are of the most earthly good. Those who have their minds on heaven are of the most earthly good. Because life is not just what we can touch and what we can smell and what we can taste and feel and test behind the curtain. Friends, I want to let us know we are in Christ. We are in Christ. And we have ascended with him in a spiritual way with an incredible view in the heavenly places. So how is this possible? Really? Through like a prayer? <laughs> okay, Lord, I want to follow you. I believe in you. And uh, You know, that, like through that prayer you prayed when you were four in Sunday school, through that prayer you prayed with your grandma or your friend, like that got you all of this? How is this possible? I want to end on this idea. It's because he has blessed us. This word bless so it says all praise, we're just changing that in English to make it sound nice. But some translations say, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ because he has blessed us. Let me tell you about this word bless. To bless, it's a worship word. And every worship word is connected to a action that we do with our, our, our physical bodies. This word bless is, is a word that says to get down on your knees and extend your hands in gratitude. To get down on your knees in respect and extend your hands to give a gift. So Paul is saying, would you get down on your knees? Would you extend your hands? Would you give a gift of your life as an offering? Why? Because the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living God, the creator and maker of heaven and earth has blessed us. The living God, the creator of all things, the one who breathes out stars and with a word creates, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, who holds the universe in balance because the living God has blessed us the living God has gone down on his knees and extended his hands. And he's given us a gift in Jesus Christ. 
This is possible because our God loved us so much that he sent his only son. He got down on his knees. He humbled himself, making himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to death on a Roman cross. He extended his hands. He offered a gift called salvation, called grace, and he gave it to us. This is why this is possible. Friends, it's not because we're great, it's not because we're notable, it's not because we deserve it. We, are, we have been given a new identity that has nothing to do with our resume. We have been given a new reality that we are united with Jesus in the heavenly places because the God of the universe has gotten on his knees and offered us a gift. This is profound, this is profound. And you can miss it so easily in this text. And so now we're going to transition into a time of communion. And as the ushers come forward and as the band comes up, as we come to the table, and I will not ask the ushers to do this, but in a, a very, maybe in a visual sense in your heart as you come to the table, this is not just simple people, men and women, who are offering us religious elements. This juice represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out to cleanse your sin. The wafer, the, the bread represents his body that was broken for us. And as we come to the table, in a sense, the God of the universe is on his knees. He is extending his hands and he's saying, take my body, take my blood, be forgiven for your sin. Receive this grace. I give it to you freely. Take and eat. Have a new identity. Have a new reality that changes everything. This is what Paul wants us to hear today, church. And would you take it freely today? And so the band's coming up. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to take communion. If you are a follower of Jesus, come, take, eat. If you want to follow Jesus today, come, take, eat. Take it freely, but consider the gravity of this reality that in Jesus Christ, he has changed everything for us through a simple gift, his body which was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this word. I pray that by your spirit, you would actually help our hearts, not just our minds, but our hearts to grasp this. This absolutely profound, backwards, unthinkable act that you, the God of the universe, got on your knees, you extended your hands, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, you laid, laid down his life for us so that we could be forgiven and renewed and made new and we could be identified and in him forever. There are some of my friends in this room right now, God. And they are striving, they are toiling, they are trying, they are, they're exhausted trying to, to follow you. And this text is a reminder once again that there is nothing we can do to earn it, deserve it. But we just walk freely with our head up high to the table and remember that Jesus, you have forgiven us and renewed us and redeemed us. 
we receive that free gift. And in that moment, although these are just physical items, there's something deeply spiritual that is taking place. Our union with Christ. So I love you, God, and we love you. And we're so grateful that you did this for us. I pray that there would be some today who would receive this reality and come to this table. There'd be some today who've been walking in just absolute bondage and shame and because of the things they've done, they come to this table. And there'd be some today who would walk to this table feeling like they just, they've got it and they would just be shook by the reality of what you have done for us, God. So thank you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.